0: welcome back to Today in Sports Betting. This is Friday, May 22nd, 2020. As I've already said, this is Today in Sports Betting, a Hootball presentation. Hootball Gaming is where you will find us on Twitter, at gaming. Hoop-ball.com if you uh, are in need of some fantasy basketball content or analysis, as well as other things as far as team coverage. Have premium subscriptions and other great tools to help you become a more knowledgeable basketball connoisseur. And uh, as you've heard me talk about right here, usually I do in my bookie read, but. Uh, COVID-19 has put some things in a different place uh, so I've began working on trying to find a local charity or fundraiser uh, blah 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 um, I want to find someone doing uh, some really good work out there and see if I can't highlight it or do some work myself hands-on kind of stuff if it is in my area I know I've hopefully got listeners all over Uh, We've got listeners all over. This whole podcast network is great. I'm going to have someone on that I'm very excited to talk to and with about a team in a certain league. I'm just going to keep dropping hints that don't mean anything, but we'll get into that. Um, First and foremost, he is a writer, a contributor for Hootball Grizz. And not only in his spare time does he also cover basketball and more basketball, but like he's in the front lines of like, you know, helping with the COVID situation right now. He is in the health field too. So I'm not sure how he keeps up with all the stuff that's going on in the world. Just had a newborn also. (laughs) So Dave, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Williams. He runs the at Hoopball Grizz page. Uh Dave, I'm going to stop babbling here and I'll let you introduce yourself and talk about some of the stuff that you've been working on recently, what you've done with us and for the Hootball family here recently and uh maybe just give us some nuggets uh for the Grizz. Uh you know, n- not not the other team, you know what I'm saying? Just g- give us some rundown on the Grizz.
1: I got you. Yeah. Right, man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh it's you know, it, it's crazy when I started doing this. I, you know, I had wanted to podcast for a while and then getting into this has given me more opportunities. And so coming on as a guest in another podcast is really a, like, it's a big thing for me. So I really appreciate it, man. But like you said, I'm, I'm one of the uh, contributors for Hootball Grizz. Um, been doing it for this season. This is our first season and uh, it's definitely been crazy with the, the COVID stuff. It has put a huge wrench in the direction that we wanted to go and, you know, right now we should be watching basketball, playoff basketball, but uh we're just watching reruns and the last dance and you know, whatever else we can find. So I'll be yeah. uh
0: And now the last dance is over.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. We was gonna have to watch reruns of it. But we didn't like I did see exciting news today. Apparently the NBA is mm-hmm. uh, in contact yep, or yep in talks with disney so maybe yep. july we get basketball back i, I don't know hey we'll see.
0: in in a few years disney's gonna own the world I, they're they pretty com- much due at this point at this they? point yeah they got their hand in google and now they're just uh, making sure the nba and the nfl's at their mercy
1: yeah, I, man, like the the whole uh, monopoly law—that's a whole different type of podcast. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a uh, hey.
0: Speaking of Dave, what are you doing uh, in a couple days? Maybe we'll start in a new podcast
1: or something <laughs> on the the monopoly of Dave. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it, man. Yeah. I'm down. I'm Just down. Just a
0: chronological uh, tree branch breakdown of Disney and how they control all of us. I'm kidding. That's not where I stand with all that. But it would be fun. Uh, Dave, I forgot to mention where folks can find you, and that is at dwill2111. Uh, so t- 2111. 2111. 2111. Yep. Will 2111 And then also at Hootball Grizz, which is where the Hootball page is uh, located on Twitter. Um, there was something I saw in your bio that kind of caught my attention, and that's just because I've been a video game nut for as long as I can remember, as long as it's being a sports nut, you know, like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Um I saw that like you've dabbled within the NBA and MLB esports uh arena. Can,
1: would you elaborate
0: a little a little bit or
1: Yeah, I mean I didn't really do any type of coverage for, okay, or, okay. for MLB or, or esports, but I, I just enjoy it. You know, there's there's guys and, and I can't maybe maybe it was Cowherd. There there was somebody that's like if you put me covering this stuff, I'm just going to jab my eyes out with pencils. <laughs> and the, but I, I enjoy it, man. I've, I have yeah. I grew up playing video games. Like, I remember when I was super young, watching my brother play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!! Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. then, and, you know, I was like, I love the company Blizzard. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. Blizzard, but, you know, yeah. so. That's like, another played, podcast. Yeah, like I played pretty much all of their games. And so I, I enjoy watching that and just watching sure. because because I've played the game, I understand the skill that these guys have to have to execute the things that they're executing. So right. it's um you know, it was never a coverage thing. Not that I wouldn't, I definitely would, but I just haven't uh, haven't had that opportunity. Gotcha, so gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It, it, just enjoy it, man.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I am definitely a, in the same canoe right there along with you. I have been playing so much Madden lately, a lot more than I have in the last multiple years just because I think Madden 20 has been one of the better Maddens that's come out in the last few years and uh the Madden cup and the championship was actually just on and I used to watch the Madden bowl and all that stuff whenever I was you know in elementary and middle school so it was kind of cool to see that it was revitalized uh Madden kind of fallen off for a little bit now but uh with that being said you know I wanted to um transition into some questions that i had that were you know stemmed from some intense curiosity the grizzlies as we've talked about off you know camera here a little bit i've always kind of really appreciated and liked the grizzlies they've always been um you know and I, i i was just talking with lyle about the pelicans another southwest division team and i think it's a really awesome thing that um we have two great um coverers for uh these two teams in the southwest division it's a unique division and so i wanted to kind of figure out how you covering the grizz was conceived like how what how did that come about and we uh you You talked about some fan or uh some some players that you were a fan of growing up or uh, in your young adulthood, but were you always a fan of the Grizz or um no you, you know, you're you're pretty close to that area though right
1: right so it's the Grizzlies are are the local team for me and yeah so i I had always kind of when I you know they hadn't always been you know they started in Vancouver then moved down, but since they've been in Memphis um you know I remember my first game down there they were playing in the pyramid Mm. and if you set anywhere outside of the lower bowl in the pyramid it was awful like you did not want to set in the upper deck in the pyramid because going back up the stairs it felt like if the if the wind blew too hard you were going to fly out onto the court that's like it was steep and awful and the worst thing ever but it was so my first game down there um it was the the Grizzlies and the Dallas Mavericks with hey, that's Sean my team. Bradley, Michael John Finley, Bradley. You know, uh, Josh so. Howard,
0: Josh yeah. Howard. <laughs> so it was Dan Dampier.
1: Like, yeah, watching those guys get going down, and, and it was crazy because you don't appreciate how big these are. Like not, not you don't understand how big these guys are until you get there. And so we were setting like just off of the tunnel where the players came out. Wow. And the first guy that I see when we get down to our seats is Sean Bradley. And he's like standing there flat footed, grabbing the rim. And I'm like. <laughs> Seven, six. Dude, it, I He looked like something from the circus. He was right. so freaking big, man. And then on TV compared to these other guys that are all ripped and chiseled, he looks like bones. Uh-huh. And then you get there. And he wasn't really all that small, like you know, seven six. He looked small compared to these other guys that are muscled up. But you know, he he was muscled up too. Just he wasn't like as thick as the other guys. But
0: well, he was stretched out a little more. It yeah. was uh, <laughs> it wasn't as dense. Uh, yeah, that didn't stop Vince Carter from jumping over him. That's for dang sure.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely didn't. So, but yeah, so I just kind of you know I would. – keep up with them a little bit here and there but you know i i I enjoyed certain players so like for me charles barkley um i'm i was never a um like a hipster like jump on the bandwagon because everybody else does Mm -hmm. so i appreciated michael jordan but he was never my favorite player right right, right you know it was it was barkley for me and then when, when Barkley was kind of fading out, I started keeping up with Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. And so that was my guy. So, you know, I, I, I kind of kept up with the Grizzlies, but I wasn't what I would say a, a fan yeah. of the Grizzlies, you know.
0: So, funny story, and I'll just get off of this side path real quickly. So if I stray too far, just like snap me back in. <laughs> uh, so growing up, I had this Latrell Spreewell uh, um, bobblehead. And it was when he played with uh, Minnesota and it came with his player card. My dad came across it and he gave it to me or whatever because he was like, hey, sports, basketball. My son likes that stuff, I think. And so uh, I actually started paying more attention to Kevin Garnett because of Littrell Sprewell and Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell was on those early teams also. Uh, Wally Serbiak. Those were some really, really fun teams, and uh, I think just collectively that team kind of captivated me, and then uh, as the age and the years went on, you saw the greatness of KG, and you mm. realized that he definitely was the adhesive component for those Timberwolves teams, because you saw it in Boston as a much older player, and it was just yeah. so phenomenal.
1: So, I, I don't know if you remember, but when when Marbury, when it was Marbury. Oh, Marbury, yeah. There was conversations about, you know, who are you building around? Which one of these two guys are you building around? And I remember when Marbury left, like, there was a lot of people that were upset. And I'm like. To go to the Knicks. Like, like this dude, like, why are you mad? Yeah, right. he, he's a good player. He was better in China. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> You don't send Garnett out. No. Like that, that's the one. Like, he, this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime player. And not that Marbury was not good, because in his prime, he was a great player, but he was not the same caliber as Garnett. Mm. And even back then, I, you know, I, I saw that. Not that I knew what Garnett was going to turn into in the end of his career, but just watching him and the way that he played the game, the way that he worked it reminded me a lot of some of the older greats. And that's, you know, Larry Bird talked about the way you're going to earn respect on the court is, yeah. you know, getting after the ball, you're, you're on the floor after the ball, you're hustling back on the you know, doing the extra stuff. That's how you're going to get the respect and Garnett throughout his career. He always done that stuff. And so I saw that and that's, I loved watching him. And, you know, Jaron Jackson, when he first came up, Garnett was working with him in Memphis. And I'm like, please, please, please let me run into Garnett somewhere like <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, I never got to run into Garnett anywhere in Memphis. But, you know, right. I, I was like, I like Jaron Jackson. And so the fact that he was working with my one of my all-time favorite players, like that was just, man, just injected into my veins. I will take it all day long. Oh, It it was exciting for me.
0: Yeah, it would be for me as well. Some of those early 2000s players just really stuck out. Some of those guys that had some really prolific uh, careers in the 90s that kind of just extended into the the, uh, 2000s to the 2010s and so forth. um, There was a rare breed in there for that, like, 15-year breed because, like, Think about it. Those guys were the predecessors of all that greatness from the 90s and the Jordan and Ewing and Barkley and uh, Stockton and Malone and Peyton and Kemp era. You know, it's like yeah. Yeah. how many uh, comparisons do you have to hear before, you know, you're, you're just kind of like, do you even want to play basketball anymore? Or You know, so kudos to the guys like Garnett, uh, Kobe, rest in peace and um you know just some of the more dynamic talents you know even the guys like vince carter the explosive guys and then not only the international players to kind of you know encapsulate that whole uh bridging from the 90s to the 2000s with like you know the coup coaches trying to become you know, make european stuff a little more normal you know yeah you know really started to uh,
1: see, like, so, in the the Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, Magic, uh-huh. you didn't really see guys that were playing the four that were handling the ball, that were making decisions like that. And then, you know, the, these guys in the, the late 90s, early 2000s and transitioning, you really started to see the game change as far as, okay, it's not, you know, you don't have to have a John Stockton on your team if you have, a decent point guard and a four that can make good decisions, then, you know, you can can trust him with the ball.
0: And a trustworthy three. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's, you know, and it's crazy. Even from that, it's still – the game is still transitioning to, you know, where they're chucking up threes from half court like it's regular. And, uh, you know, it's so – that's why, like – for me, the the greatest of all time conversation is so crazy because of the style of the game when Jordan played right. as compared to now when LeBron plays. And it's like, man, it's <laughs> like, how do you honestly pick between those two guys? And I know like you're either on one side or the other of that. Right. But in all honesty, you can't really compare it because, yeah, like you're going to have more threes – Like, there's nothing that anybody on this planet will ever say to me that's going to convince me that anybody is a better shooter than Ray Allen. It will not happen. Mm. I don't care how many threes Steph Curry makes. I don't care. Ray Allen had the smoothest stroke. And he had an interview, and I don't remember who it was with, but Ray Allen had an interview. And in that interview, it just shows, like, the difference in the eras. He said – like, if I shot seven threes in a game, my coach told me I was settling. You know, they didn't want them shooting yeah. threes. They wanted them driving to the basket, taking a higher percentage shot.
0: Well, and and you look at um, – okay, so Steph Curry, he's, he's good off the ball. You know, I think you and I could probably agree on that, yeah? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But you look – all you have to do, really – Is you look even back in in when Ray Allen was playing with Connecticut, and I'm sorry if I go off on another tangent here, Dave. Like I said, (laughs) snap me off here because Ray Allen is actually one of my favorite players uh, because he played under one of my favorite college coaches. I had this like handful of college coaches I selected as an adolescent. You know, I was like seven, eight years old, and I was just like, I have no idea what college basketball is really, but I like these guys. I see them on TV, and they look like that they do good with their their uh players and i would probably want to play for them and that was mr bayheim tom Izzo, jim calhoun of course at the time eddie sutton because i was an i am an oklahoma state fan grew up in oklahoma um and then mark few you know like i said off camera i almost went to that gonzaga camp so i've always been a huge proponent of the gonzaga basketball way you know they play a certain uh, uh pedigree and with that being said you know it's uh it there's it's, basketball, it's just, it, it flourishes in so many ways, you know, that's kind of where I was getting to the root of all that is just um, the influences and the structure that uh, come within it. Um, you know, I think that's kind of what makes it so, so spectacular. So.
1: And so I'll get back. Like we went way off track there, but I'll get, Like you did ask me a question about like, how did I come to to start covering the Grizzlies? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's really it's a funny story, and, and I've told the story on my podcast, but I've um, been doing fantasy basketball for a while now and I, I discovered Dan's podcast just searching one day. So I started listening to his podcast and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I enjoyed it, like listening to him. He great guest. So he was mentioning about team coverage. So I go to the website, I'm looking around, trying to find Grizzlies coverage. I just tweeted it, Dan. Hey Dan, where's the Grizzlies coverage? And he just kind of threw a joke. He's like, "Well, I don't have anybody, but you can cover them if you're interested." And so I sent him uh, a DM, and we just kind of talked back and forth for a little while, and it just went from there. You know, I I I said previously I I wanted to do a podcast, and I didn't really know. Like I had talked with a buddy of mine about maybe doing something with the esports. But, you know, I, I like esports, but basketball is where it's at for me. Like, that's just right. number one. So when when this opportunity came up, man, I was super excited. And Dan was like, hey, man, you know, just record with a, you know, little cheap headset microphone and just see if this is something that you're going to want to do. Like I know that I want to do this, so I'm going to get equipment because I'm going to put the work in. If I'm not good enough, it's not going to be because my sound quality sucks.
0: Right. 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 it's going
1: to be because I just didn't have what it takes. And uh, that's it. It was just a a Twitter thing. I was like, hey, I don't see any Grizzlies coverage. And he uh, throws it out there. Hey, if you want to cover them, here you go. And it was a lot of recording like a partial episode and him saying, okay, this is good. This is good. This is awful. Fix that. Uh
0: Then
1: then you go back and you do it again. And he's like, okay, you improve this, but now you need to work on this. And so Dan was fabulous when it comes to, you know, he would tell me what to do and I would sit down and, you know, Sam and I would record a show and then he would say, okay, do this and this and this, we'd make the adjustments. And I, I want to say, We were probably recording shows for, man, I'd say about three, three and a half weeks before we actually, like he submitted to get the show posted. Mm -hmm. And it's just gone from there, man. And, um, you know, it really, when you have to start being a content creator, you have to dig in and it stretches you because you really you know it's easy to find information anybody can jump online and look at the box score i think that the little bit of extra stuff that you do really kind of pushes you over the edge so the extra work mm-hmm. that you do and, and i'm sure that you can attest to that for you know the the uh, the hootball gaming podcast you know like when when you're going through and and you're deciding what lines you know you got to look at everything you know especially if you're like hey this is my this is my pick for the day if i'm going to place one bet this is what it's going to be you know you're not just pulling that out of thin air. I wouldn't think anyway, like oh you, no, no, you're, you're digging in <laughs> yeah, and and that, so that's the fun part
0: yeah. about it is and that's why I wanted to start this was because uh it's I love sports so much, but this gives me a whole nother periscope to kind of view it in uh it, it's It's a whole nother set of numbers to break down. It's a whole nother metric, it's a whole nother trend it's it's mm. really it's really yeah. fun it is. But, um, so we were, um, maybe, you know, wanting to approach this like hypothetical realm, right. You know, as if the season, you know, cause like we're, I think we might be close to getting the season to come back. So I think we should probably start transitioning our mindsets into what is actuality of, you know, potential basketball. And so I think it's a good time to ask and to bring up, you know, for you to showcase your feelings and what you think about the playoff chances that the Grizzlies had before the uh, halting of the season. Granted, there were some big injuries that were going on, but do you think Jaw is going to be able to power him through that? Um, and then how also would this playoff run affect his rookie of the year candidacy and what uh, do you think would have happened if the season played out? I am in, I'm interested to hear.
1: So, I think the season played out, if Ja had not just completely fallen on his face, that he was runaway rookie of the year. Yeah. And I can give credit where it's due. Zion is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But at max, he would have played 37 games. He played 19 games in the season. Yep. Yep. I think I want to say he was averaging what, like twenty-one and seven or twenty-one and six. Something he, like was,
0: that. he was he like, was almost to a yeah. He, he he I think yeah twenty-one and seven sounds about uh pretty accurate.
1: So I had those numbers the other day, but I, I don't have them with me. But he he was playing when he came in. He was playing just like you would want a number one pick to play. Uh-huh. So I will give him credit. I like Zion. The media just drives me crazy, man. Like. So, for example, I feel like when James Harden won the MVP, that he honestly didn't deserve it. You you look at like, the number, yeah, yeah. to LeBron, uh huh. LeBron's numbers were better. So uh, were, by far, by far, you know. And the reason LeBron didn't get that was because of fatigue. Because the media just LeBron, 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 LeBron. And I bet if you go back and you look, that there's more than one season that that's happened. And I'm worried that that's what's going to happen with Zion because he is getting so much hype that, you know, as somebody that covers the Grizzlies, it just, when somebody is, Oh, he should have won rookie of the year. He should have I'm like, no, man, he, he would have max played 37 games, 37. Like you cannot justify in my book, giving a guy that played 37 games rookie of the year, if he if he goes out there and he's averaging twenty five and ten and thirty seven games, maybe. But I just don't feel like that's a big enough like. Ja, the Grizzlies were not projected. I think the Vegas over under for them at the beginning of the season was like it was like six. Yeah, it was
0: low. It was it was yeah. real low. Um, they uh, so the the way I thought of it was, and it, it's funny now, you know, talking to you. Um, After talking to Lyle, because I was talking about, and and my opinions may not be as popular with you and your demographic as what I was talking about with Lyle, but don't get me wrong. Job was one of my favorite players in college when he was playing. That kid was nasty. I I love college basketball. I love college football. I love college baseball. I love college sports. And that kid was a phenomenal college athlete. He's going to be a great pro. He's going to be awesome. I I don't doubt that. But I think it was contingent on, you know, and I'm talking specifically rookie of the year uh, honors. I thought it was going to be contingent on who got their team into the playoffs, who pushed themselves and their team in that Southwest division to the games they needed to win and then go on stretches where they need to win like you know, four of seven or four in a row or get a couple wins here on the road. I thought New Orleans was a little bit more poised to do that just based off strength of schedule alone sure. Yeah, and then current health. And then also, like you said, with the James Harden complex, I thought the scope was also going to help Zion to uh, get himself yeah. another Rookie of the Year honors. And if the season played out – I, I, I thought I was going to I, – I saw New Orleans get in that eighth spot and my Mavericks being in danger there too because we were faltering really bad. And then uh, Zion also winning rookie of the year. And then I had a friend ask me because he was able to get Zion, uh, you know, live odds for rookie of the year at, you know, plus 500 still. And I said, how the hell did you find that? He like, yeah, like, take it. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that was pretty, pretty for sure. Lock fired, ready to go. So,
1: yeah. So, like, my my side of that conversation, you, you talk about leading their team to the playoffs. Look, look. Let's compare the rosters of these two teams. Right. And, and this was my biggest argument. So, and and, and like this is not a Zion bashing thing at all uh-huh. but look, look at who Zion has on that team as compared right. to who Ja has on the Grizzlies right, right and I right. love the Grizzlies and I love their players but you have Brandon Ingram which you didn't know that he was going to be what he is this year but outside of him doing what he's doing Drew Holiday has been in the league and been producing for you know what, like eight years now yeah. so he's not a surprise He he's a pro and drew holiday is head and shoulders better than anybody else on the grizzlies roster and then you have jj reddick who's been to the playoffs every year of his career yep so you have like the the pelicans roster top to bottom is just better than the grizzlies
0: that is and a very so, valid point and i no i appreciate you do saying that because uh you know, I didn't take that into consideration whenever I was talking to Lyle. Um, and I think leading, leading, you know, might have been a little bit of a stretch. But being a part of that playoff run or, yeah. like, getting into the playoffs, I think would have been enough to yeah. – uh and I
1: understand that. I understand that side of it. Mm, like I, mm-hmm. And, you know, the Grizzlies played an easier schedule in the first part of the season. They were having some injury issues. There were guys that were close to coming back, but – I don't. I'm not sure how it would have played out, but regardless of what happened, and I'm like one of the last podcasts that we done when the season was still rolling. It may, and it may have been the last one, but that doesn't matter. I I said regardless of what happens moving forward with this season. This season has been a positive for the. Oh
0: Grizzlies. my gosh, they had a phenomenal year. They mm-hmm. made me so much money during the betting season. Oh, <laughs> it was so great. We, uh, Ira, you know, one of the other hosts here, it, him and I, we had many a days where we just hoot and hollered about the Memphis Grizzlies. They that that win streak they went on, mm-hmm. and you know they were still catching points in that win streak. And it, oh man, it was. Uh, it was just easy calls for like a couple week period, you know, for the Grizzlies games. And, um, even the end games, you know, the live betting, because you knew how they were going to finish. You knew who they, how they were going to play. You saw right. their rotations. You saw how they utilized their team. They were consistent. Uh, they, they, it was seamless from the road to home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when they were clicking and that, uh, you know, the, right before All-Star break, those 10 games, 15 games before All-Star break, yeah. Uh if you were listening, that that, that was an easy way to uh, make some money off of the
1: Grizzlies. <laughs> Man, it, it was – Jenkins got so much crap about his rotation early. When they were not winning early, he got so much crap about his rotations. And, you know, he's a young coach yeah. and, you know, first year in Memphis – Everybody's gonna over critique him, obviously. Yeah. But it was to to watch. You know, we went to opening night. Sam and I went down to opening night, and we watched them play against a Chicago team. And I'm like, man, they're not gonna win 15 games this year. This looks, yeah, yeah. awful. This looks terrible. Because when we done the the preview of the season, Sam's like, they're winning 35 games, and I'm like, they won <laughs> 33. With Conley and Gasol, you're out of your damn. Oh, sorry, you're out of your mind. Yeah, like there's 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 no way, man. And so, it, it is my j- just a transition to, to watch them from the the first few games that we went to to where they were at when the season got shut down. It, it was it was great, man. And and the team is young,
0: very but, young. The coaching's young too. Yeah. If you look up and down that coaching staff, I don't think there are you know any of those big time veteran pieces that you see on some of these younger staffs from time to time uh What I really liked though is how that first year coach handled the Iguadala and Josh Jackson situation all at the same mm-hmm. time and got yeah. him to roll the way he did.
1: It was the so they would all thing I was fine with that because I didn't. Yeah, want, I didn't veteran. want toxic in the lock, right. in the yeah. locker room.
0: It was better uh, for you guys to keep him out of there for sure. Yeah,
1: like he could have helped. You know, uh, a guy like that definitely one hundred percent could have helped this team because of his experience. But he had to want to help, and he wasn't interested. Right. You know, like when when it was all going down, I'm like, oh, you know that that's a clown move, and and kind of you know, ticked off about it, but I understand it. You know, at that point in his career, he wasn't interested in working with the rebuild team because of where they were, were projected at the beginning of the year. He never would have thought that they were where they are now. And so it's uh, – he, he really did do a good job. The Josh Jackson thing, he was raking in, in the G League, man. yeah. And I'm like, when when are they calling him up? You know, Grayson Allen goes down, and it's just like entry. And I'm like, okay, they're calling him up. And then you see it's like 25 and 10, 20 and 18, 25 and 10, 33 and 11. And it's like, okay, this dude is he's obviously too good to be that, right? Right, right. He's tearing these guys apart. He can contribute, and it it, it was just a where are you going to put him on the roster? I think more than anything. And, you know, then injuries just happened. They kept happening. And so he did get the call up and then he produced. And I was not, um, you know, I, I'm trying to, I talked to Anthony saying and on, on Twitter and he was a very big supporter of, of Josh Jackson early on. And I was not because of all the stuff that went down with him in Phoenix I'm like he didn't really do anything that impressed me in Phoenix yeah I realize with him being a top four pick he's got talent and he has potential but just because you have those things there's plenty of first round draft picks that never pan out
0: there's plenty of top four draft picks that (laughs) didn't pan and you know stemming back to the KU days you know and me being in Kansas City as I've said many a times before so I'm, I'm sure you guys are all annoyed by it now but uh you know I I saw a lot of it here um you know especially working in the industry of you know bar and sports work it's just uh uh you know everyone really liked him here and they were hooting and hollering about him and praising his athleticism and his like shot making and I you know didn't really see it through conference play and then I didn't really see it in the tournament and didn't see it in the March Madness tournament. He got drafted four overall. I still didn't really see it. So uh, with that being said, the type of prospect he was out of high school, I'm bummed I didn't see it all those times. So I hope I can see it um, with the Grizzlies because, honestly, I think it's a good fit for him. I really do. There was just that log jam of positional depth in them sure. trying to figure out what to do with Grace now. And they also spent a little bit of draft capital on, uh, what? who was it, uh, Watanabe. Uh, I mean, so they still have him that they're developing.
1: So mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, you have multiple guys on this roster that can play multiple positions. And, you know, especially the, the NBA has kind of transitioned to where there's not, necessarily like you have a starting five but it's not like point guard shooting guard small forward power forward center anymore right it's just like okay here are my five guys and you you know for some teams you have the traditional setup but there's a lot more positionless basketball and so having those guys like Grayson, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Josh Jackson those guys that can play and guard multiple positions there's a lot there and that's I don't know Josh never like in all of the interviews and everything that I've watched with him he's never indicated that he was upset with the way that that process went down yeah but I just wonder if the way that went down is going to affect him staying in Memphis or not um I don't uh you know I would love for him to stick around but then you know on the same hand, it's like okay, where where's everybody going to fit in? Because you look at the the roster, and you know John Conchar has been a two way player, yeah, and they they like him and what he's doing. And I, I'm not saying that I take John Conchar over Josh Jackson. Sure,
0: I think but, he's probably a year behind.
1: Yeah, you, you look at salary mm-hmm. and realistically, all right, you can't keep everybody and. We like John Conchar, the way he fits the system, how hard he works and the stuff that he does. Do we keep a guy like him around, knowing that we're going to be able to keep him around because he's not going to be a big contract where if Josh Jackson does pan out, are we going to be able to afford to keep him?
0: And, and, you know, not to mention the draft cap. I would still think there's draft capital in Josh Jackson. Uh, you know, like a team, honestly, I could see, like, Miami. Uh, maybe Philadelphia, Boston. I could see him really getting in a real nice position on an Eastern Conference team that needs a little bit more wing help. Mm-hmm. But I I think you could even get like two draft picks out of the kid if that's the route that they do
1: choose to take. And that's, you know, this front office has done a fantastic job uh, just piling up assets. If you look at – how Oklahoma City? Mm. Oklahoma City is a small market team. They were competitive. They never won a championship, but they were competitive because they drafted well, so well. And, and that they drafted James Harden. They yeah.
0: drafted Kevin Durant. Well, no, the, the Supersonics yeah. drafted <laughs> Kevin
1: Durant. <laughs> but you know, it was that franchise. So you know, yeah. Russ yeah. and Stephen Adams, Collison. You know, there, there was a lot of guys there that they brought you know they brought him up they brought him in they groomed them and you know i mean like kevin kevin durant i remember in that draft and you know you, he's not here to verify but one of my buddies can verify that when they took greg odin at number one mm-hmm. i'm like they're stupid yeah kevin durant is going to be way better than him well and Lamarcus aldridge was also in that draft too mm-hmm. and, and so it, it's like They were the knock on Durant was his frame. He's too small. He's never going to make it. And that
0: was before this, like, crazy slasher, scorer, uh, Mm -hmm. long wing spanded lethal shooter that Kevin Durant is. And that's just so many teams – or not so many teams, but (laughs) I guess one team in general missed out.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, man, it's just – this front office, I'm – extremely pleased with what they're doing there's a very
0: and, good infrastructure there one of the more under the radar uh front offices in the nba if i, I if i had to make a nomination yeah
1: i'll take it man that's uh you know back kind of back to josh jackson I'm, I'm gonna go back to that you know we I, I talked a little bit about the trouble but one success story in memphis and it's a different, you know, Jerry West was was there when uh, Zach Randolph came in. But Zach Randolph was kind of a troubled guy when he came to Memphis. And he was a salary dump in the trade when he came over. And he got to Memphis and ended up, you know, the, the city loved on him. The coaching staff, the front office, you know, they, they went from a, a guy that was troubled and on his way out of the NBA to, you know, one of the pillars – of a team that was competing, you know, that they were uh, a scoring wing away from competing for, you know, a championship. Yeah. And so, you know, Memphis does have a good history in that, that, you know, they can, can take a guy that's been troubled and kind of turn that ship around. And maybe they do that with Josh Jackson because there's, there's a lot of professional athletes, not just basketball, but all over that, you know, these, these kids come up with nothing. And then they get up here and they get all this money and they don't have people around them to point them in the right direction and they don't know how to handle themselves and they get into trouble and they lose it. And so, I don't want to see anybody do that, but you you see it all the time in, in football, basketball, like all the major sports, guys with all the talent in the world just make bad decision after bad decision. And then, you know, five years down the road, they're out of the league and completely broke.
0: Vince Young. (laughs) uh I just uh it was the first one that popped into my head uh to to kind of backtrack a little bit to those teams you were talking about that needed that scoring wing um could you imagine if they had DeMar DeRozan because there was talks that they that Toronto before like you know the whole cohesion and gelling of Lowry and DeRozan and what came to be in Toronto uh That you know, like they, you know, they were okay with trading DeRozan, they knew what they had in them, but they knew they could also get a lot for him. Mm -hmm. And at that time, if Memphis would have made a move to kind of couple him and Jeff Green together, I think that would have been really, 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 really cool to see and then a good component to add.
1: You know, I'm I, I like Jeff Green, but he, you know. He didn't really do well in Memphis. He just was not right. the fit. And that that's um, you know, I had uh Amy on. She she's a beat writer for the Memphis Flyer and we were talking yeah, about that. Yeah. And she was talking about how she she loved Jeff Green, but he just wasn't the player that Memphis needed. And right. so he got a lot of undeserved hate. Yeah. Because he just didn't fit. You know that you add Demar Derozan to that team, and man, there's no telling that they may very well have won a championship. I mean, that's a Western but,
0: Conference final team back then, in my like, opinion. what
1: what are you what are you giving up to get him though? And that's sure, you know that you see the uh, NBA Twitter thing right now is oh they're they're a Bradley Beal away or Devin Booker away. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but what three pieces do they have to give <laughs> yeah. up? So and then we, if you give those pieces up, and it, it turns into a Bradley Beal and a Michael yeah. Kid Gilchrist away, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah, we're a Bradley Beal away, but let's uh, we're gonna give uh Brandon Clark and De'Anthony Melton and draft picks to get him over here. Oof,
0: man! Yeah. How have we not talked about Melton yet? I love that kid.
1: Uh, man,
0: especially when him and John Morant are on the floor together oh my gosh that is so fun
1: and that's so <laughs> he came over in the josh jackson deal right but that's, that's i'm like and he's God, done more than josh jackson he like how, how does this even the javon carter and kyle korver turn into josh jackson and the anthony melton and some second-round draft picks. Like, I don't
0: – That's a win. That's a yeah, for sure that's, win. Because, that's Co- what, Kyle Robert, Korver's man. already in Milwaukee. He signed that veteran sign-and-release BS yeah, thing. And, right. and yeah. Javon Carter, what, I think he played, like, two minutes a game this season.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he didn't play much with Memphis either. His He, he is a good defender. Defensive
0: specialist. But,
1: yeah, he yeah, he, he just is – I would say, well, I'm not even gonna give him that. He he's a good defender. His offense yeah. is suspect at best. I'm not. I'm he's not gonna... good at
0: running an offense. He's comfortable and familiar with. You saw that in the Huggins system when they had their good tournament runs because of you know Press Virginia, and they were able to get you know into their sets that they wanted and fluster their opponents. But you're not gonna do that and overcompensate in the NBA. So. Yeah, and his, I liked him a, in college, but not. <laughs> I don't think he can do it.
1: Uh, he's got to be he, able to score, man. He, that, exactly. That's and that's you know Tyus Jones kind of. Yep. You know, oh, he, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh Tyus to, Jones, yeah, that's a good. His,
1: his shot well. wasn't falling, man. No, he didn't you have know, one. He was, He. Everybody knew he was going to pass. Like he and he
0: pass. was a 60, per, 60 some odd percent free throw shooter. So it's not like, uh,
1: you yeah. know. Not Carter, uh,
0: Tyus Jones. I, I know right. uh, Carter wasn't that great either. I think he was only like seventy. And
1: and I drop. Okay, I'm I'm gonna get on a soapbox here. I I've done never, it twice, so you go. I'll for I'll never in my life understand how a guard makes it to the NBA and can't shoot free throws. Like I'm I'm a short, fat, white guy that's hadn't played basketball in forever, but when I played high school basketball you were not leaving practice until you made eight out of 10 free throws. Oh yeah.
0: 80%, 75%. I mean.
1: And so I'm like, how how do you get there? How do you get to the NBA and you can't make free throws?
0: Believe it or not, there's some NBA teams out there that have philosophies of where they don't need their guards or their guys to get in and create contact and try to shoot free throws. So they It's weird to me too, Twilight Zone ish. But believe it or not, they some GMs and front offices don't care, and it's weird because I think it overall uh, hurts the integrity of the game. Man, exactly. Yeah, it's
1: you you. College basketball, John Calipari, how many championships right. – if his teams could – if his Memphis team could shoot free throws, oh, he wins right. the title. Yeah. And there's been at least two since he's been in Kentucky that if his team could shoot free throws, they win the title. Yeah. And, and that's – you know, that's just one one example. Like, I know that Memphis lost a game this year that they missed mm. – I think thirteen or fourteen free throws, and they lost the game by like four points. Yep, yep. I'm like, you know, shoot, shoot seventy five percent, you win this game.
0: And to me, it's not all that shocking, but maybe to the normal person, it would be. But if you go through an NBA box score and you look at the amount of free throws that are missed, and how how that equates to how you could have won that game if you would have only hit like two, three, four. Mm -hmm. five more of those free free throws they're free free throws Mm -hmm. that you would have won the game like that's what it comes down to are those little tiny like Mm -hmm. one point free throws uh there's Mm -hmm. a lot of games that are dictated because of that and uh won and lost because of that
1: yeah that's always that's been forever and it will forever be my son gets so sick of hearing it because I say that all the time. I'm like, free throws win championships. Yep. And then you watch a game and you watch guys miss clutch free throws. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yep. He, you know, since we've been, you know, going down doing season tickets and watching all the games, he's, he's been watching that. And he's like, you know, hey, if they make these free throws, we win. And it, it is, man. It, it's It's sickening at times. You know when it when it's when it happens and your team wins because the other team doesn't make free throws, it's great, but when yeah. it's your team you what know, uh, what's going hmm. on so
0: hey, I play pickup ball, or I did before covid i i I play a good deal of pickup ball, and if I don't make my free throws, i don't get on the court and I don't get to play, so you best believe i'm a roll one free throw in at the beginning when we're picking teams. Mm Because I'm not going to – I don't want to sit for a game or two to get on the court and play. I'm going to make my free throws. Mm -hmm. And that is how it is in – or how it should be in college in the NBA. If you don't make your free throws, you don't play
1: as much, you know. And I I can understand a big – you know, a guy like Shaq. Sure. You know, he's playing within 8 to 10 foot of the basket. He's not going to shoot out there that much. Mm -hmm. But if you're a guard, I just feel like there's no excuse for it. If you play – anywhere with a 1 2 or 3 and you shoot less than 75% from the free throw line i like it's that's just terrible to me
0: we share the same belief in that uh definitely and i can attest um there's been some fundamental things i've seen watching games sometimes and it's just you know free throws being the focal point sometimes well dave you know moving on to this last next part of the show uh i usually just kind of left this open for my guests you know as i've had you know good amount of our hoop our hoop ball contributors on recently and then other guests you know just kind of talk about like what they're excited for coming up uh we've had a couple big breaking you know news stories the last couple days as far as the ncaa with their Proposal to get everything going back by June first. MLB is probably trying to get going by June, July fourth weekend to make it the most American weekend ever. Uh, And then, you know, um, I'm I'm guessing all these other leagues are probably going to follow suit. They're kind of just on the uh, tailwinds of the Korean baseball organization and Bundesliga. So, are there opening storylines that you're excited for? Is there a Memphis? Off season storyline that you're excited for are the facilities back open for the Grizzlies players. Who, what, 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 what so are you eyeballing?
1: They, they did open the facilities that happened last week. They opened them back up for voluntary, mm-hmm. you know, following all the guidelines and all of that. Um, I, I've not seen anything as far as who's coming or whatever with that. Um, and th- the the draft is the big thing for me. The Grizzlies, mm. they're they're not going to have their draft pick. It's going to go to Boston. It's going to, but I, I don't. Now is don't that a part of a trade? Happen. Is that what? Yeah, that was the Jeff Green trade. Jeff Green. That's what yeah, I was guessing, but I just yeah.
0: couldn't remember. Right. Okay. So
1: it was uh, it was protected um, inside the top eight, I believe. I should know that 100% for sure, but I'm not 100%. I think – but I'm around 90. It was like protected top eight. Sure. But, you know, it's, they're not going to be there. So, Boston's getting that pick. But, you know, th- there's some guys – I I just – I don't know what's going to happen with this roster going into next year. You know, they signed Marco Gudrich to a two-year deal. Yeah. And then he, he didn't produce. And there were times when – He looked like he was going to be okay, and then there were other times where he looked like deer in the headlights. And he shot like 58%, but prior to coming over overseas, he shot 58% from three. And it's like, man, how does that just disappear? But I think the speed of the game kind of got him. Like guys were closing out on him faster, and I, I don't know that for sure, but just from like watching him live, I'd say it seemed like they got on him faster than what he was expecting. And so it caused some issues for him. Yeah. But, you know, with all, you know, the team is young and with all the depth, who's going to be there? Who's moving? Are they going to go out and make a big splash? Are they going to try to trade for one of these big names that, you know, they're Devin Booker, Bradley Beal away? Yeah. Are they going to try to make a move for one of these guys?
0: Well, so, and, in- you know, sorry for putting you on the spot. It's it's a common theme. I do it to my host or my guest, uh, you know, every time it seems like. And it's something I need to cut out of my routine <laughs> because it's not very nice. But uh, it, and it, it's mostly just because of spont- spontaneous uh, curiosity. Uh, cap room, do you know w- where – memphis sits i mean they don't have a lot on the books it's a lot of first and second year contracts
1: right but the so the gorgie jang trade they uh, took on, okay so the whole like the justice winslow yeah, Zhang yeah, yeah and all of that they took on some salary so their their cap they, they don't have a ton of room so and like, justice winslow know. is
0: still rostered correct he is yeah yeah right okay
1: and okay. so that's why, you know, you've got like Grayson Allen was out with yeah. the hip. Yeah. And then Justice was out with, with the, the back. back. And you've got those guys coming back. And,
0: and then they the, took the contracted Georgie Jang, but they didn't get yeah. him right.
1: No, right, yeah, right. no. Uh, Gorgie played. He oh, played he did. Okay, many. okay. Yeah. For some reason, they, I was
0: thinking he ended up in the at the Nuggets somehow. That whole trade deadline thing, that was one of the more crazy ones in the last few years. That was pretty fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good for the Grizzlies, and that's, you know, the uh, Winslow trade for the Heat, man. Mm-hmm. It's because they make, you know, for the cap space. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the Grizzlies are sitting here with Winslow looking like they're coming out freaking daisies, man. You know, yeah, like yeah. It, it's all good for them. They, but so I don't, you know, cap space, I don't know – what kind of room? I'm really gonna have to dig in and look and see. But um, you know, I don't even know that they could make a trade for one of those guys right now. Yeah. But but I'm on the side, I I love Dylan Brooks. Like yeah. I don't know if you've looked at like my opinion. I tweet. did,
0: yeah. The defensive so player uh that, of the year. That yeah. dude
1: he he wants to guard the best player on the other team. He wants it. He's not scared. He don't care about the name on the jersey. He wants to guard the best guy on the other team. Yeah. And watching him guard James Harden, and you're not going to stop James Harden. He's one of the best, if not the best, scorer in the league. He was, But he was making him work for it, and that's what you have to do. You've got to have – like, James Harden's going to get 40 because he's going to get to the free throw line 700 times in the game. Jeez. You've, you've got to make him earn it. You've got to uh-huh. make him – shoot the ball a ton and and Dylan Brooks was just giving him the business and so a lot of people are like hey they need this wing that does this when Dylan Brooks was on when he was scoring they were playing well they were winning yeah I think they were like 14 and one when he scored 20 yeah and so I don't know that they need to go out and get another piece I think they may have what they need moving forward they just need to develop everybody yeah yep yep you know, that's, the team is young. The chemistry is there. I, I really like where the franchise is right now, and there's um, a lot of conversation of, you know, the Grizzlies just – they don't ever get thrust. Like, they don't get the big spotlight. It's not a big market team. Right. And they've never had a superstar like John Moran and Jaron Jackson. Closest so,
0: thing they had was Mike Conley or Paul Gasol way back, you know, yeah, when –
1: like, and, and I love Mike Conley for what he's done for the city, for the franchise as a player. But Mike Conley at his best did not have the superstar power that John ja Moran has or
0: potential. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you 100%. Well, you know, Dave, the, the Grizzlies, they have a really exciting team moving forward. The Southwest division in a whole. You know, you just look at it with the Pelicans and the Grizzlies having the youth and the depth that they do and the versatility. And then, you know, what's to become of, you know, the Spurs? They're kind of in the middle, you know. Um, is this the next New England Patriots thing where the pieces start kind of, you know, branching out? And then you've got, you know, the Mavericks you uh, know, in, in the Rockets, you know, w- with some – flair for sure you know this whole this whole division's got flair and I think that's what's really exciting it's one of the more exciting uh divisions and more competitive divisions in all of the NBA and I think it's probably the most competitive division in the Western Conference by far from top to bottom um you know it's just a uh I in divisions, you try to build your team to beat the other teams in your division. You can see the uh, similarities and this uh uh you know the total parallelism of team building from uh you know new orleans and uh and the grizzlies and then you know the spurs and it, it it's pretty neat to see how how all the construction comes about. Yeah. And uh, it, it yeah, I'm excited to see what happens if we return to the season or if we start.
1: Yeah, I don't know something. what they're going to do. They, yes, I, I'm ready for more information on that right. to see exactly how that's going to pan out. I've got Are a they good gonna feeling go straight into playoffs. Are they going to play the season games? I, I don't think that they can legitimately play out the rest of the schedule, so I I'm I don't know that that's definitely going to be something to watch moving forward, but. Like, the division, I think – so, to me, Popovich is a lot like Bill Belichick Mm and, like, I'm just not going to question him because he's one of the greats and he will figure something out. Yep. But the other teams that we talked about, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and the Grizzlies for sure – the Rockets are a great team right now, and they're poised to compete for a championship.
0: They are going to have the most vast decline in the next two right. years. It's going to come you know,
1: quick. You've got Russ and Harden. And neither of those guys are young anymore, and so not that they're just going to fall right off the face of the earth, but that team is not—it's not built for longevity right well, now. Well, then they're when you get young.
0: money involved, right? So, so
1: it's the. The Mavericks, man, like those three teams, like the the Mavs, Pelicans, and and Grizzlies, they're gonna be exciting to watch. I, I, in the next four or five years, like those are gonna be, I'm gonna watch those three teams watch their games more than anybody. Obviously, yeah. the Grizzlies, but you know, I, I enjoyed, I watched a lot of Mavericks games and, and a lot of Pelicans games as well because you know I. <clears throat> I like Drew Holiday. I've always liked uh, Drew, Drew Holiday.
0: Holiday. I was actually talking about this with Lyle. Drew Holiday was my favorite part of all those teams that had Anthony Davis on it. Anthony Davis was nowhere near my favorite part of those teams. It was Drew Holiday. I, I've always loved Drew Holiday. That guy is uh, the way he plays ball. It's it's mm-hmm. it's something something different
1: mm, for sure. Yeah,
0: but so. well, hey Dave, this is uh. This has been a blast. I, I haven't really dug into the Grizzlies in quite some time. I, I was actually kind of surprised by the knowledge bank that I was pulling out and just remembering random things about the Grizzlies throughout the season. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite games from this year was that game that they played against the Rockets where it was just back and forth, back and forth. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to uh, make sure to – tidy these this last bit up with a nice bow here, and make sure I thank you you know many more times and make sure that the listeners do know and are reminded of where they can find you and you know where they can get their grizzlies fill for the coverage and that is d will twenty one eleven and at HoopBallGrizz. again it is a hoop ballcom dot com uh you know family piece on twitter it's a part of the Hootball fantasy uh franchise and then you know from there there's this the Hootball gaming and if you don't find what you need with us with basketball or betting or whatever that's it's you're probably uh i don't know i'm gonna leave that where that is without <laughs> insulting people so
1: <laughs> i don't know if you're gonna find it I it's may later. lose
0: some. I may lose some uh, listeners <laughs> yeah. after that. So let's uh, let's not do that. But Dave, I thank you again, buddy. Um, let's do this again soon, especially sure. if we do get the season popped up and we get some clarity as far as what's going to happen. I'm excited about the NBA draft. I know that's an important part of Adam Silver and what he loves for the NBA. So I would love to see you know how the Grizz maneuver around that lost draft pick and see what they might try to do to compensate uh maybe some free agency or off-season work but it's something i would love uh you know digging into so uh i would love to have you back on for that and bud i appreciate it again this was fun
1: yeah man it was a blast for sure so uh you just let me know man i am uh I'm down anytime, and especially when we get some more news about how they're gonna play out this season i am uh I'm ready for it uh, any any kind of sports honestly, basketball especially, but just something that's yeah. uh- Netflix and Hulu only have so many shows that are worth watching
0: yeah, I've slowed down a little bit <laughs> yeah. uh so well hey thanks again um we'll we'll be in touch and to the listeners, thank you again. Um, you know, we'll be around on the next one. You know, I'll be there. Hope you guys are as well. Be safe. And I will see you around. Bye.
1: This has been a HoopBall presentation. Sick of being upsold at gyms?